Hey guys, welcome to the Tokyo Lens Podcast, and as always, if you are a regular listener, welcome back. So today's episode is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode. I actually woke up last night to a dream, a dream of days long since past. You see, back in my days of university, if you are a regular listener or viewer, you will know that I spent a great deal of time with Japanese friends, which is one of the ways that I learned Japanese. And one of the first things that really caught me as a linguistic culture shock, if you will, was the very first time that I heard the color green referred to as the color blue. And that is what we are talking about today. Some of you may be familiar with this concept, but many of you may not. Either way, whether you are familiar with it or not, I find this to be a really interesting concept and I wanted to share just a little bit of information with you guys today. One or two stories, a little bit of background, such on and so forth. So the title of this episode may be a little misleading because modern day Japanese people do have a clear distinction between the colors green and blue. Well, for the most part, you'll still meet a lot of modern Japanese people that can't really distinguish between green and blue in some situations. And there are a variety of reasons, deep, long, and cultural for this. And today, we're going to touch a little bit on some of these. Now, this podcast episode, more than anything, is meant to kind of give you a little bit of insight and to give you something that if it piques your interest to do a little bit of research and learn something about. So what I'm going to do today is to give a little bit of a tasting, to give you a starting point. And if that interests you, I highly encourage you take a look into it much more deeply. I could probably do, believe it or not, a one to two hour podcast episode on this topic. But honestly, it would be incredibly over detailed, semi redundant, and I don't think it would be that much fun. So I'd like to keep today's episode a little more fun. So the very, very first time. And I think this is similar for a lot of people, especially when they are learning Japanese, that I heard the color green, or what I know as the color green, referred to as the color blue, was with streetlights. You see, the color red, aka in Japanese, it, well, it's a, it's a red light, aka shingo. But when the light turned green, I heard an announcement over the speaker and it said, And I, I turned to the Japanese friend that I was traveling with at the time and I said, did, did it just say that the streetlight turned blue? And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah it did. And I'm like, well, well, why? And they're like, because it turned blue. And there's really not that much of a distinction. Now, some people will say that there is a huge distinction in the color of the streetlights in North America versus the color of the streetlights in Japan, especially in the green-blue spectrum. But other people will say that there is little to no difference whatsoever, that whether you're in North America, Europe, 
anywhere else in Asia, Australia, or Japan, it's green. But a lot of Japanese people especially will say, nope, it's different in Japan. That's actually slightly blue. But you see, this comes in, in a lot of forms. I could give you an entire list, but then again, I kind of want you to do a bit of research for yourself if the topic interests you. But this comes into play in foods, it comes into play in location names. In the Japanese language, the color green and blue are pretty much interchangeable in many situations. And more often than not, green will be referred to as blue. Now, this, for me, started kind of a, a, a mini obsession back in the day. And this was before just Googling stuff and looking up information online was that much of an option. And so I started finding myself asking a lot of Japanese people, what do you think about this? Is this green or is this blue? And why do you think this is this way? And more often than not, we ended up coming back to the topic of streetlights. And almost all of the time, Japanese people would say, no, that, that is blue. And so I kind of wanted to share just a little bit of information about how this came about. And it took me actually a couple of years before I decided to do the actual research. And what I learned was quite interesting to me. So uh, hopefully it'll give some value to you as well. So the most basic and simple explanation of this is that the color or the kanji character, the Chinese character, ao, which originated from the Chinese language, that character originally could stand for green or blue. As initially, since they're roughly in the same spectrum, there wasn't that much of a distinction between the two colors. They, the, the, in, linguistically, they were used traditionally interchangeably. Now, as language grew and developed, obviously in both the Chinese language and the Japanese language, there became separate words for green and blue. But that happened fairly late in the linguistic history, which means certain habits and ways of speaking were already built into the language. So now, modern Japanese, for example, does have a clear distinction between green, midori, and blue, ao. For example, if somebody goes out into nature, a Japanese person would say, ah, midori ga ippai, there's lots of green. They won't say, ao ga ippai. They're not, they're not going to say, oh, look at all that blue. Yet in many ways, the tradition still remains in many places in the Japanese language. For example, the area of aomori, Ao meaning blue and mori meaning forest. They're not going to suddenly go up to that area and say, oh, look at this beautiful blue forest, but they're also not going to change the name of the area. In fact, it wasn't actually until around after the Second World War that the distinction between the two colors became more prominently used throughout Japan. Now, 
this topic as a whole, I kind of want to put a pause on it right there. Because this idea, this one little piece, is actually one of a very, very long list of little mini tiny itty bitty culture shocks that I have never really recovered from. And what I mean by I haven't really recovered from are ones that I still find incredibly interesting and fascinating. Even after well over a decade in Japan, there are still so many mini cultural aspects, linguistic aspects that I find so fascinating to this day. You might call them culture shocks or you might just call them things that have caught my eye. For example, this past weekend, I spent some time out at Sanja Matsuri. Sanja Matsuri, for those of you who are regular consumers of the Tokyo Lens content, you will know that it is the biggest and by far most exciting festival in all of Tokyo. And of course, I went out there again this year and every single year, there's one tiny thing that I refuse to allow to become normal to me. And it is a part of how people dress for the festivals. And that is the fundoshi. For those of you who don't know what a fundoshi is, a fundoshi is basically, and this is more commonly worn by males than anything else, is a long fabric strip that is wrapped around to create an essential or basic thong. And more often than not at these festivals, you will see gentlemen walking through the streets with very little more than a pair of tabi shoes for the festival and a fundoshi. They're basically in a thong in a, and a pair of shoes. And this is something that my very, very first festival in Japan, I found to be just incredibly fascinating. The fact that this is still so prevalent even to modern day with children and everything joining these festivals and with modern sensitivities playing so much into place even in Japanese culture, to see something like that hold through the years is just really incredible to me. There, I have a list of probably 20, 30, maybe actually if I scroll down, I have well over 30 of these little things that still fascinate me. In fact, for some time, I have been thinking about putting together a piece of content for the Tokyo Lens YouTube channel documenting some of the culture shocks that have remained after all of these years. And some of them are starting to change. I spoke briefly in a previous podcast about how to this day, you can walk into a Japanese convenience store and right there by the entrance on the magazine rack, fully viewable is a wide selection of adult magazines just right out in the open. But things like this are beginning to change. As we get closer to the Olympics, Tokyo has actually agreed to ban all of this and remove all of this content from the shelves. Or there's stuff that's not even all that shocking, but is just purely interesting to me. Like back in North America, 
in the 40s, 50s, and early 60s, it wasn't uncommon to have trucks deliver milk from house to house in glass bottles, both large and small. I was incredibly surprised when I very first came to Japan and found that you can still buy milk in these bottles. I was even more surprised when I found out that they still have delivery of milk from house to house, not just in the countryside, but in Tokyo as well. So today's little mini podcast episode was just kind of the tip of the iceberg on these little mini culture shocks that remain after all these years. Kind of a a little hint or preview, if you will. This week is going to be quite a busy week for me as I am off to North Carolina from Thursday to give a panel down there. I'll be there for about a week. The next Tokyo Lens podcast episode that comes up is going to be a slightly more serious one. And I don't mean serious in terms of it going it's going to be a heavy topic, but more serious in terms of it's going to have some information that hopefully If you're in Japan at any time or for any length of time, you'll never need. But if you do need it, could potentially help in saving your life. But before I release that one, I want to make sure that I have it kind of polished and have additional resources for you inside of it. So as I said, today's episode is just a short one. It's been a while since we've done a short episode, but I hope that you have enjoyed it. If you did, it would mean the world to me if you would jump onto iTunes and give that a quick review. I say it every time, but those really do mean the world to me. Thank you so much for joining today's episode of the Tokyo Lens Podcast. And you know, I will talk to you again real soon. 